www.ai.org. This is Driving Forces, where we talk about the big issues and shaping our community and our country. I'm Celeste Katz-Morrison. I'm doing fine. Celeste, it's wonderful to see you and hear you today. Hope everything's going well with you. I hope so. Are we coming through loud and clear today? I hope so. Sometimes we have a little bit of technical excitement, just the, uh, the one of the many joys of live radio. But we're going to jump right in. Lots going on in the news today, of course. We're all waiting to hear more about who will be nominated to the Supreme Court with the uh, coming retirement of Justice Stephen Breyer at the end of his term this year. Uh, meanwhile, the city has announced home delivery of antiviral pills to deal with COVID infections. Nice if you can get them. They're reportedly in very short supply, but the city is seeing some numbers coming down over the last month with COVID which does give us some hope. And speaking of hope, I hope everyone out there has a healthy and prosperous Lunar New Year. So happy Year of the Tiger. Of course, today's big news is that President Joe Biden was in town, sitting down with Mayor Eric Adams, Governor Kathy Hochul at NYPD headquarters for a gun violence strategies partnership meeting. Uh, as we are seeing shootings go up along with other crimes since this time last year, according to the most recent statistics made available by the NYPD in 2022, we've already seen increases in almost every category of crime over 2021, including rape robbery, assault, burglary, shootings, and hate crimes. So with that as the backdrop, we are going to hear just a brief snippet of what President Joe Biden had to say at NYPD headquarters earlier this afternoon before he headed to Queens to find out more about a crime prevention program there. So right now, let's hear that clip. Mayor Adams, you and I agree. The answer is not to abandon our streets. That's not the answer. The answer is to come together. Police and communities building trust and making us all safer. The answer is not to defund the police. It's to give you the tools, the training, the funding to be partners, to be protectors and community needs you and know the community. You know, police. Policing that treats everyone with respect and dignity. That's why I called on the Congress to pass a budget later this year that provides cities like New York and others with an additional $300 million for community policing. So what did you think of that, Jeff? I don't know. I knew you've had a very busy day, but uh, you know, you just wanted to share some thoughts about what we've been seeing with the increase in gun violence. You know, it was interesting. I was really multitasking because I wanted to hear the remarks. I heard much of Joe Biden's, heard much of Eric Adams, Kathy Hochul's, Kirsten Gillibrand, people who spoke at the news uh, conference uh, today. What was really interesting in the lead up to this, Celeste, but also in the delivery today is how much our mayor, Eric Adams, was likening himself to Joe Biden, portraying mm -hmm. himself as both blue collar guys, but also as, as I listened to these conversations, I thought about how both of them have been distancing themselves from the progressives, you know, aligning themselves closely here because, you know, the progressives in the party have ad advocated for scaling down police departments and both of these men are not. They're kind of taking a different approach here, Celeste. Absolutely, Jeff. And if we look at the highlights of that Adams blueprint to end gun violence, we see enhancing existing public safety networks with new neighborhood safety teams, putting more officers on patrol, expanding a partnership between the NYPD and state police, and certainly uh, issues like restoring or uh, regenerating the anti-crime unit have been very controversial in the city. So to talk about all this, we are going to move on right now to our first guest, who is somebody who can talk about the real effects of gun violence and what we can try to do about it. Jackie Rowe Adams is a lifelong resident of Harlem. She's a musician. She's a longtime community activist. She's worked with the Police Athletic League, the City Parks Department. She served on community boards 10 and 12. And she's also been vice president of District Council 37, the Municipal Employees Union. But today she's here with us on Driving Forces to talk about her activism in a very specific area. One has everything to do with our discussion today on how to make the streets safer for everyone. So, Jackie Rowe Adams, thanks for joining us today. Welcome to WBAI. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, just to begin, tell us a little bit about when and why you founded your organization, Harlem Mothers Save, and what your family's experience has been with violence. So, 
to begin, let me tell you a little about why Harlem Mother Safe got started and what it does. So 2006, all this shooting and murders, it, it was like it was Labor Day, one of the Labor Days. And 2006, I got sick and tired and sick and tired of all this killing and shooting in 2006, one, one Memorial Day. About six people got shot and two died. And I woke up in the middle of the night and said, you know, enough is enough. As a mother who lost two kids to gun violence, we have to be able to save some more lives. I did not want another mother, another family to feel the pain and hurt that I went through. So I got up that morning of 2006 and said, you know, I knew some other moms that have lost their kids. Let me give them a call and see what we could do to stop some of this violence and say, call a question who's giving our kids these guns. At that time, I called some parents. We went to Assemblyman Keith Wright office. At that time, he was Assemblyman. And we called him and said, we need help. We got to find out who's giving our kids these guns. We have to stop blaming the police. We have to stop blaming the churches. We have to stop blaming the teachers. And we have to stop blaming elected officials. Let's take back our own kids and our community. And that is what got me started. And when we went to mm-hmm. the Assemblyman Chief Wright office, he named our organization with his staff. This is a true story. And he said it was on a Tuesday. And that Friday, we went on the steps of City Hall. He called the 100 law enforcement, black law enforcement, and said, I have some moms here, and they're calling the question, who giving out kids these guns? And would you join us? At that time, and I want you all to hear this. Mm-hmm. At that time, our very own Mayor Adams was the captain of the 100 law enforcement, black law enforcement. Matter of fact, he was the sergeant. And we stood on the steps of City Hall together and called the question, who's giving out kids these guns? Well, the black 100 law enforcement, led by uh, Mayor Eric Adams, uh, found out that some bodegas in Harlem were selling guns and watermelon truck coming from down south selling guns on the watermelon truck and collard green truck, which was on at uh, Frederick Douglass. Bo- no, so, so Jackie, yes. Jackie, I just, it's great to have you on the show today. I just want to interrupt because I want to make sure we get in a lot uh, this evening. And even those early experiences with mayor Eric Adams, then uh, with uh, 100 uh, uh, blacks and law enforcement, I believe. Um, how do you think even those experiences helped shape the work that he's put forth now as far as his blueprint to address gun violence. Do you see some of those lessons, some of those things that happened, those experiences back then in shaping the plan he's put out? I'm really curious what you think of that blueprint. Well, what I think, and I'm glad you cut me off because I could have been going on and on and on. And that was because you asked it for the beginning, you know. So let me tell you what I think. And I want to get to the core of this. First of all, I think it's wonderful. You know why I think it's wonderful? As a mother who lost two kids to gun violence, as a mother and a leader who heads up one of the most prominent uh, uh, support groups on fathers and mothers who've lost kids and not only kids, family members to gun violence. First of all, it is too many guns coming into our community. It is too many illegal guns coming from out of state. And enough is enough. Then we want to talk about people killing each other with those illegal guns coming out on bail reform. The same people coming out of jail that have committed a crime already. So we have to deal with that, too. All these are illegal guns. You cannot walk in the street. You cannot have your kids go to the store. They're scared. Some kids are scared to go to school. So what do I think about it? I think it's wonderful. I think that we should have been brought back that anti-crime unit because I think it'll make a difference. Hopefully, there ain't no hopefully. They will be trained and people like myself and others will monitor them. But we have to let our 
violent violent criminals know that it's consequences. You cannot take the, a gun and shoot your cousin, your friend, your parent. I mean, it's out of control, uh, out of control. So what do I think about it? I think it is good. I can't wait for it to happen. It's taken too long, but he only been on there a month, a month. We're speaking to advocate Jackie Rowe Adams here on Driving Forces on WBAI New York. And we're talking about Mayor Adams's new blueprint to end gun violence in the city. And Jackie wanted to ask you, you know, you've been an advocate here, as you mentioned, for quite a long time going back. You've dealt with lots of different politicians who have had lots of different programs. What do you think is different about this? Uh, and what do you think might make it more successful? Because I think... You know, all New Yorkers, uh, you know, have heard people talk about dealing with violence in the streets for a long time. But, uh, you know, sometimes it seems like things are very slow to change. Why will this be different? This is going to be different, I feel. Because when you got two young babies, the police department killed doing their job. Innocent. Went to the house trying to keep the community safe and they are shot and killed by illegal guns that's different and when you talk about little one-year-old babies getting shot by straight bullets when you talk about innocent people in the mall getting shot by straight bullets And this is not once a month. This is once a day, twice a day. When you talk about citywide, this is citywide every day. Illegal guns shooting each other, just shooting. It's like the OK Corral. It have reached Washington. And any time the president of the United States come to New York about gun violence, you know it's out of control and it is different. So what I need, what we need to do, and what I need to say, ATF should so, jump on or AFT. Is it ATF or AFT? Should get with our mayor. Federal government should get with our mayor, Albany, our elected official, our legislators in Albany need to get with the mayor and support it. And support it because our kids are dying. Yes, we need programs, but first we need these guns off the street. And every it don't take just the mayor; it takes the community, it takes the police, it takes the DA, it takes everybody. It takes everybody to come together and get these guns off the street. It takes so everybody to Jackie. get these guns off the street. And so everybody has to come together. So it's very, very important. As you're talking, Jackie, about everyone coming together, I'm curious what obligation, what responsibility you feel the school system in New York City and, you know, broader than New York City, what responsibility do the school systems have? And the school system, the parents, the parents have to take back their kids, take charge of their kids. The school system is to teach The school system must teach. The parents have to be active and be responsible and and work with the education. You know how many guns we have in these schools? Every week now here in New York City, not only Harlem, it's a gun in the school. So I think that's what made people pay attention, pay attention to what's going on, and thinking about supporting Mayor Adams' uh, uh, blueprint. It is serious. People realize now it could be my child. It could be your child. It could be my family member. Where is all these guns coming from? We know where they're coming from. So what are we going to do about it? Let me tell you, AFT, AFT, shut down cigarettes. Think about it. They stopped alcohol, firearms, and tobacco. Shut. Remember when they stopped those cigarettes coming in and shut down the cigarettes? They could do the same thing with these guns. 
we are the last we are the last ones in this city to really be serious about getting on our elected officials. The elected officials have to do more. And I am and I am a part of I'm not an elected official, but I'm a community leader. But I truly believe if we get some legislators to take our lives serious and stop making money off of us, we could get this problem solved because it is out of control. It's like it's an epidemic now. It's, it's, it's an epidemic. And we're speaking to ever. advocate Jackie Rowe Adams here on Driving Forces on WBAI.org, excuse me, on WBAI.org and WBAI 99.5 FM New York. I'm Celeste Katz Marston here with Jeff Simmons. Jackie, you talk to a lot of people in the community and uh, a lot of families and people, when you talk about uh, dealing with public safety, are balancing a lot of different things. I'm wondering, have you spoken to people who say, look, I'm really concerned about Crime. I'm really concerned about safe streets, but I'm also worried that too much policing or the kind of policing that we've had in the past might make targets out of young people, particularly young people of color. What are you hearing about people in terms of trying to balance this idea of of public safety, which with uh, policing or maybe even over policing? So, oh, I hear it all the time. But what I think is. First of all, what I think is training is the key. We don't want to see the same old policing. We want to see training, monitoring the police. But we certainly need them. And I think with training, more training, and and monitoring them and teaching that, that customer service, customer service is the key. Customer service is the key. And, and, and working, really working with them, not letting them act like the Wild Wild West. And I know some people have concerns about that. But I think it would be great. And we need to, we have to try it. We have anything right now to stop some of this violence, you know. And that's how I feel. So what's what's next for uh, Harlem Mothers Save in terms of uh, talking to people about uh, the Adams Blueprint or supporting the Adams Blueprint? Any uh, any big plans? Well, we're doing that now because you know what we are the makers of that gun trafficking. We had uh, last year, two years ago, we got three thousand signatures. We have three thousand signatures um, for the bill for the gun. Um, trafficking law. We got 3,000 signatures. And so we've been doing this a long, long, long time. And so we're still fighting and we're still the voice for the voiceless. And we're just letting people know that we can't give up and we can't continue to lose our children and our family members. So we've been the voice for the voiceless for a long time. And finally, others jumped on the bandwagon, which is good. But you know what? They're a little too late because it's out of control. But it's never too late to try to make up for what people have not seen and what the legislators have taken for granted. And I am just so glad that WBAI WBAI is really doing this interview and being the voice for the voiceless because we need we need everyone. To know, we gotta stop this gun trafficking. We gotta get these guns off the street. We have to get these guns, these flow of guns, from coming into our community. And it takes it, it takes it takes everybody. It takes everybody to work together. And let me tell you, the communities, the churches gotta open their doors. The churches gotta step up. Some of these recreation centers, let me tell you, we have a lot of nonprofit organizations that deal with youth. They have to begin to open their doors and really work with these kids. I work closely with the Harlem Chamber of Commerce um, in Harlem Week, uh, Lloyd Williams. They have a, a hackathon for the kids because the kids love computers. Stuff like that. They, that takes the kids off the street during Harlem Week, the hackathons. 
They have many programs for the kids. These PALs got to continue to build mm-hmm. and work with the police. Community and police could do it together. Mm-hmm. Community Jackie? and oh. police could do it together. Jackie, we're going to have to end the segment, but I just want to know if people do want to get involved, if they are inspired by your words today, how can they get in touch with you? How can they follow your work? Right. So on, they could go on my website and they could go on my Facebook, um, www.harlemothersays.org on the Facebook and they could go on my website, Mothers at Harlem Mother dot org on my website. And we'll, my phone number is 212-234-0112. On that note, Jackie Rowe Adams. Yes. Jackie, I want to thank you so much for appearing with us today. I wish we had more time because I know you have a lot to say and we appreciate. We, so I went a little longer and we're glad that you've conveyed all of this, these sentiments today. Celeste and I want to thank you so much for joining us here on WBAI this evening. I thank you too. And bereavement counseling, we have that. We meet once a month with the mothers and fathers. And we're growing every day, and that's not good. But it's good because they have a place to come where we know they pain and hurt. Well, thank you, Jackie. And we'll have to have you back on the program to check in and see as people are looking more about uh, about what the mayor wants to do uh, to address gun violence. We'll have to have you back on the program. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So you are listening, if you just tuned in, to WBAI 99.5 FM New York, also streaming live at WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces. I am your host, Jeff Simmons, joined as always by my amazing co-host, Celeste Katz-Marston. Today's topic is gun violence because we're speaking about this issue today because of the president's visit to New York to meet with Mayor Eric Adams. Uh, that took place earlier today, and it, there was an assemblage of top politicians as well at the uh, NYPD headquarters for this today. We're going to keep the conversation going with another guest in just a moment. Then we'll be taking your calls. But first, Celeste and I wanted to take a few moments just to uh, remind you about why we bring you these important conversations. It's because we know that you care about them. That's why we listen to our listeners as well. When you call, we engage with you. We also book guests based on your feedback, but it's important. We, we do these because we have these conversations because we know that they are important to the future of our city and we bring them to you because, well, we do, we ask for your help. And so that's kind of the reciprocal process, Celeste, right? Absolutely. And so what we're, what we're trying to say and what we try to at least mention, uh, during every program is that this is listener supported, non-commercial, non-corporate radio. To stay on the air, we need your help. Right now, we continue to work on our tower fund drive. It costs $17,000 a month to pay the rent on our broadcast tower at four times square. We can use your help. Please go to WBAI.org. Click on the green field, support the tower fund. Your donation of $25 or more makes you a member of this station, WBAI.org. Every donation helps. We appreciate your support, Jeff. And and I know that we were saying that the campaign ran until the end of the year, then it went through January and it was ending this week. But you know what? We want to keep raising this money to keep WBAI in the air, and that is why we do it. So today, we've been talking about Mayor Adams' blueprint for ending gun violence in the city. And as we mentioned earlier, Biden was in town to talk about his public safety vision with Adams, Governor Kathy Hochul, and others. Earlier, we heard a brief clip from President Biden. So now, we'd like you to hear from the mayor, who also spoke at the same meeting at police headquarters. Here is just a bit of what the mayor had to say at today's meeting. Last week, my administration released our blueprint to end gun violence. There are many rivers, as you stated, that feed the sea of violence. We must dam every river. One river will cause another death prematurely in our city. And many reasons these rivers have continued to rise in our city and in our country, and we're going to stop them from doing so. But the president and these leaders that are here today, we are going to work together 
to end this violence in our city and in our country. And as much as the Adams administration is talking up all the support they've gotten for their blueprint, there's still a number of people who have real concerns about the fine print. So to talk more about this, we're joined by Stan Herman. After graduating from New York University School of Law, he went to work as a staff attorney for the Legal Aid Society of New York in Kings County. He later became a staff attorney at New York County Defender Services and then practiced privately from 2002 until 2015 before returning to Defender Services. I know these organizations well because, as Celeste knows, I work with Fortune Society and they've often uh, been uh, partnering with Defender Services. So, Stan Herman, I want to thank you so much for joining Celeste Katz, Marston, and myself here on Driving Forces today. Hi, good evening, and thanks for having me. So, as much as I know what uh, New York City County Public Defenders are about, I'd love for you to first tell our listeners a little about uh, the organization and what you do there. Yeah, absolutely. So New York County Defender Services is one of the city's public defender offices. Uh, We operate exclusively in Manhattan, uh, where we represent anywhere from 10 to 15,000 poor individuals accused of crimes. Uh, We have about 135 people on staff, social workers, attorneys, investigators, paralegals, admin. And, um, you know, our commitment is to bring zealous advocacy on behalf of every single individual we represent. And I am currently the executive director of NYCDS. So, Stan, and thanks for joining us today. We really do appreciate it. Maybe you can just give us an idea overall, very broadly. What do you think about this blueprint that Mayor Eric Adams is putting out uh, to address gun violence? Big picture. So, you know, big picture, um, I, I have two degrees in history before I decided to go to law school. And, you know, I think it's so important to put things in a historical perspective. And when you look back in history, every time we have had either a perceived or real increase um, in crime, we have eventually looked back at the policies that were instituted and realized that we were mistaken. So you could go back to the Rockefeller drug, uh, drug laws of the 1970s, right, which, which criminalized, uh, you know, mere possession of two ounces of certain controlled substances. And people were suddenly facing 15 years to life in jail. And we lived with those Rockefeller drug laws until the year 2000, when as a society, we looked back and said, you know what? All that did was fuel mass incarceration in New York State, right? It it, it had racial disparities where 90% of the people who were being prosecuted under these laws were black and brown. And we realized as a society that that was mistaken. You could go to the 1990s, right? This idea of the super predator, right? This, this villainization of black and brown young men as folks who just had to be, you know, thrown into jail and forgotten about. And here we are, you know, two decades later realizing and apologizing, right? President Biden actually apologized for some of the language and rhetoric and positions that he took in the 1990s when the federal government passed this legislation. You could look at stop and frisk, right? Uh, Mayor Bloomberg was a huge proponent of stop and frisk, where at one point we're stopping 700,000 young black and brown men every year in this city. And in 2020, he was apologizing in a Brooklyn church saying that was a failed policy. And so what I'm getting at is that, you know, that initial reaction that we have as a society, and in particular politicians, to think that we can just incarcerate our way out of these problems, look at history. Look at the policies that we put forth in the heat of the moment during that emotional reaction to tragedy in our societies and in our cities, right? And we don't want to be having a conversation 20 years from now looking back at this blueprint and what, from my perspective, are obvious deficiencies in this plan, saying that this was another failed policy that just led to a generation of black and brown young men being incarcerated. 
You're listening to WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live via WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces with Celeste Katz, Marston and Jeff Simmons. We're talking about gun violence and the mayor's blueprint to address it with Stan Herman. He is executive director of the New York County Defenders Services. And Stan, there was a piece that you had pointed out uh, from Slate uh, online that you said had a really good rebuttal of some of the issues that you have, your group has with this plan uh, mentioned uh, things like bail, discovery, juvenile justice. I know you covered a little bit of that, but in terms of the specifics of what would happen to people going forward if this blueprint were to be adopted, who are you really concerned about? Who who would be most at risk? People do want to do something about crime, right? But you have specifics about why this particular blueprint concerns you. Well, I, I think it's it's a couple of things, right? I think it is a blueprint that unfortunately looks backwards, and it looks back to kind of recycle failed policing strategies of the past, right? We all know what anti-crime means. Anti-crime is a process for racial profiling, right? You can ask um, Amadou Diallo's family about what that looked like. That anti-crime unit shot him 41 times because at the end of the day, what they're looking at is for people who they deem to be suspicious. And the reality is, is that they view black and brown men primarily as suspicious just by virtue of our skin. We're hearing about a return to stop and frisk. Well, again, another failed policy. And we also know that a federal judge found the New York City stop and frisk program to be unconstitutional. Um, you know, and, and so this idea of looking back is incredibly worrisome and disturbing. And, you know, my question is, like, where is the vision to look forward and come up with new solutions? You know, we have these gun buybacks, which make everybody feel good, right? Turn in your gun, nobody gets prosecuted, and we'll pay you for that. I've been seeing gun buybacks since I've been in high school. I'm now 54 years old. And while they make a spatchy headline, they do nothing, nothing to stem the tide of guns into our city. Now, in terms of what the mayor has laid out in his, in his uh, blueprint, I mean, some of these things are just factually wrong. So let's talk about raise the age. He incorrectly states that a 16-year-old or 17-year-old who is arrested for a gun cannot be prosecuted in adult court. That is factually wrong. 16 and 17-year-olds charged with a felony offense are first prosecuted in adult court. And it's only after a judicial determination of whether somebody is better suited to be prosecuted in family court that that actually occurs. So that's just a misstatement of law. Second, he has this notion that he wants to do with, you know, 240 plus years of constitutional protections. You know, we have the right to remain silent in this country under the Fifth Amendment. But he seems to want to strip that right away from 16 and 17 year olds and penalize them. Right. If, if they don't want to talk to police officers, he wants to bring dangerousness into our statute. And he's very quick to point out, well, New York is the only state that doesn't have dangerousness in their bail statute. The fact is, we have not had dangerousness since 1971 when the state legislature correctly understood that race is a proxy for dangerousness, right? And so we haven't had that in our statutes for over 51 years, right? So we didn't have it when crime was going down. We didn't have it in the 80s or the 90s or the 2000s. So it is a false narrative to somehow now state that the problems we're having today aren't because we don't invest in our poor communities, isn't because we don't invest in education in poor neighborhoods or housing or health care, but that somehow the root of all this is dangerousness. So, again, nothing novel, nothing looking forward, and the kind of a lack of really clear new vision is disheartening. So then, Stan, what is the path forward? What's the better way to combat gun violence? Well, I would ask you this. What are the safest communities that people live in, right? Whether you're in the city or in the suburbs, it's the ones with stable housing. It's the communities that have the best schools. It's the communities where everyone has health care. It's a community where people don't go to bed hungry. 
Those communities don't have more police officers. Those communities understand that investing in housing and health care and education is how you make your community safe. So I think you have to look at this problem at the macro level and at the micro level. If we don't want to see those beautiful black and brown faces that we see in first and second grade in certain neighborhoods, if we don't want to see them ending up in the criminal legal system 15 years from now, we need to make serious investments in those children and in those communities. And on a micro level, we do have to deal with what's happening right now. And I think when, you know, you look at some of the uh, policies that the new district attorney from Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, is putting out, it's about realizing that we cannot incarcerate our way out of these problems, right? And so trying to understand, right, and not give up on just a generation of individuals, but really trying to get people, um, you know, to get them the right services and programming that they need. I understand the emotional reaction that people are having right now, right? I mean, uh, my, my heart is broken to the family of that, of that woman who was pushed in Times Square. My family goes out to the families of those two police officers who, like me, are the sons of Dominican immigrants who came this, to this country looking for a better life, right? We all understand that, and we all understand that guttural reaction. But look back at the Rockefeller drug laws. Look back at the predatory, you know, statutes that were passed in the 90s. Look back at stop and frisk. And what all of those things have in common is that incarceration will not solve these problems. It may make us feel better in the short term, right? It may make us think that we're safer, but we know how this story ends. And so we have to have new approaches. We have to invest in community. We have to have... You know, the, the, the community of groups who are working uh, with folks who are in gangs and reaching out to them. They're doing amazing work in L.A., um, you know, reaching out to, to folks uh, that were previously incarcerated and, you know, trying to stop the retribution uh, of shooting. And the biggest problem, right, and I do agree with the mayor on this, is mm-hmm. the gun pipeline. We have a gun problem in this country. Um, and these guns, you know, they're not produced in New York City, right? Um, and we have a federal government that for decades simply refuses to hold gun manufacturing accountable and to put laws on the book to stop the sale of guns and, and the flow of guns, um, you know, into New York City. So you want to get to the root of the problem, we can certainly stop there. And those aren't taking place in New York City, right? Those problems are in Pennsylvania, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, where folks are purchasing guns and bring them up north. Stan Herman is executive director of New York County Defender Services. Stan, we always wish we had more time, but if people want to learn more for now, where can they find out more about you and the work that you do? Absolutely. So, you know, uh, New York County Defender Services, that's nycds.org is our website. You can follow us on Twitter at at NYC underscore defenders. Um, you know, we have a big legislative session coming up. We certainly could help uh, use the help from our community partners uh, up in Albany. I think, you know, we all agree that we want to have, um, you know, a safe New York City for everyone. Um, but we have to come at this with a new vision and just, you know, not turn to that guttural reaction of let's just lock people up because that's not the way forward. Stan, we really appreciate taking the time. We'll have to have you back on the program, but we appreciate you being uh, here with us today on Driving Forces. Well, thank you for highlighting this important issue. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live via WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons, and we just spoke to Stan Herman of New York County Public Defenders. We're talking about the Mayor Eric Adams' blueprint for addressing gun violence. So coming up, we're going to give you your chance to weigh in. 212 209 
212-209-2877 is the number to call. 212-209-2877. What do you think of the mayor's plan to curb gun violence? Have you been the victim of a crime or have you had a bad experience with the criminal justice system that you'd like to talk about? 212-209-2877. While we wait for the board to light up, you can always go to WBAI.org and give to the Tower Fund. We're going to take a quick break right now, but give us a call. 212-209-2877. We will be right back. Wonder, my love is always with you here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live via WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz Marston here with Jeff Simmons, and you're listening to Driving Forces. We're talking about the mayor Eric Adams' blueprint to end gun violence. 212 209 2877 is the number to call. 212 212- 209-2877. We heard from some great guests earlier, Jackie Rowe Adams and Stan Herman. Would now we'd like to hear from you. We're going to go right to our call board. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you're calling from? Hi there. My name is Elle from uh, Long Island. Great. What's on your mind today? Well, I just would like to say just a brief comment the last gentleman that you had on, Stan, and his last name was, or is, shall I say? Uh, it's Herman. Uh, I'm sorry, could you uh, state his last name? It's Herman. 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 Mm-hmm. I think that he made excellent points, and uh, I am looking forward in hearing him on your program uh, in the future. 
I would suggest, uh, if possible, have uh, Mayor Eric Adams sit down with Stan Herman, and it would be a wonderful uh, discussion. Not a uh, not a uh, hot. Uh, conversation, but a discussion, because I think Stan has made some excellent points, and, uh, you know, you don't put out a fire by pouring oil on it or gasoline, and to go to the cause and to eliminate the problems that produce the situation I think is the right procedure. So I thank you again for having Stan on, and uh, I'm looking forward in your future program with him, and I hope that Eric Adams uh, will be able to uh, come on BAI, sit down, and hold a discussion. Hell from Long Island, thank you so much for joining us. And we have reached out. We're going to continue to reach out to the mayor's office uh, to have him back on WBAI. He was here earlier on as a candidate. We, after the general election, we have tried to have him back on. He has been on WBAI on some other shows as well. I believe I had heard him on one or two Saturday shows uh, shortly afterwards. But we will always welcome the opportunity to have him on as well as the governor uh, who was at that press conference today. And of course, if the president wants to come on, we're not going to stop him from coming on too. We have another call. Uh, let's get to that call right now. Welcome to WBAI. What's your name and what's on your mind tonight? Yes. Uh, um, can, can I go to the, be the next caller? Cause somebody's at my door probably with a, with a package. Can you, well, you don't want to miss that package. So hang up and call back in a minute. Then if that, if you have to no, step away, it's too hard to get through the phone system doesn't work. Doesn't oh, then, then go for it right now. Tell us what's on your mind right now. Quickly. Uh, and then go get the package. I, 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 I can't hold on. Okay, while she's stepped out of the room, what I would say right now that was very uh, telling for me, Celeste, during this news no. conference, and I know this will rile up our listeners, something that Biden had said, the answer is not to defund the police. We're not about defunding. We are about funding. And when he said that, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, this is going to generate a lot of controversy. Yeah, I think that that's a big and that's certainly something that we talked about quite a bit during the mayor's race. And certainly people have put their trust in Eric Adams. We'll see. uh, We'll see how people respond as as more word gets out about this plan and about this blueprint. But he is talking about putting more cops on the street. We are not talking about defunding. And I think, as you pointed out, Jeff, you know, he made a little joke when they were at uh, NYPD headquarters saying, you know, this is why we see things eye to eye. We're on the same page. That's why they call me the Biden of Brooklyn. So not really putting any daylight between the two of them on this idea that defunding the police, Jeff, is not the answer, right? I, I completely am agree. I, and something I, that's, oh, she's back. She's back. This is live radio, though. Yes, what I love about yes, live radio. Welcome. You. Welcome back. Thank what is on your mind your tonight? Courtesy. Yeah, first of all, I would like at some point some comment regarding my previous comment around health care and bringing in nature and alternative medicines, which will make it a lot less expensive. You guys didn't have anything to say, so at some point I'd like to hear your response to my previous comment. But as to this current discussion, it's really a head shaker. There is no vision whatsoever. When you research what happened when the Italian and the Irish immigrants came into the tenements and the ghettos that were that they were living in social workers were sent regarding their needs and to you, you know they were involved in all kinds of crimes surviving so the idea that we don't put investments and resources in our schools in health care the fact that we're in the midst of a pandemic and there's no uh discussion around universal health care tells you a lot and you don't even have community and recreational centers so and additionally if you have a country that is the largest purveyor of violence or abandonment such as in afghanistan that's a dire situation after 
wars that are nonsensical. So that has to change. And you need to put resources in the community, uplift the community, else you're going to have more Amadou Diallo's and the rest, especially now that white supremacy is at the fore with the police. They're a part of it. So that's my comment, and thank you for your courtesy and, and letting me hold on. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for always calling in. And we did we do hear you. We definitely hear you. We hear other callers. We did have that program. Uh, I believe it was last week. Was it Jeff about the uh, about the health care issues? I think maybe you're right. We were talking about uh, we were talking about health care coverage as opposed to uh, uh, holistic medicines, natural medicine, homeopathic medicine. There's so many different words. I'm not sure which one is right in this particular context. But that's certainly something that we can look forward uh, to in the future, Jeff. But that that was an interesting conversation that we had in terms of talking about health care coverage. And we did have some really good callers as well. Yeah, and that we focused more for listeners who may have missed it. We do uh, make sure that we post this. There's also the archives uh, on WBAI's website where you hear it. We focused on the future of the New York Health Act, which is uh, the champion of which uh, has been uh, Assemblyman Dick Gottfried, who's retiring later this year. We're going to invite him on the show, too, to ask what his hopes are for the legislation at some point. But I know we're going to have to wrap up the show quickly. Celeste, do you want me to first just briefly tell our listeners about Sunday, and then I'll shut up? No, Um, definitely. Do not shut up, because we (laughs) always look forward to hearing uh, about what's going to be coming uh, over the radio on City Watch on Sunday. What do you got, Jeff? So (laughs) it's going to be David Brown this weekend. David Brown, my co-host, is on this weekend. And on this episode of City Watch, he's going to talk with documentary filmmaker Giorgio Angelini, whose latest film, Owned a Tale of Two Americas, looks at the history of U.S. housing policy since World War II. And it premieres February 7th on Independent Lens on PBS. Also, David will be talking with the new Queens Council member, Linda Lee. He's continuing our series where we've been introducing our listeners to the newest council members. She is the chair of the Committee on Mental Health, Celeste. Absolutely. We want to say thanks to our special guests today. We had Jackie Rowe Adams of Harlem Mothers Save and Stan Herman of New York County Public Defenders. Thanks as always to you, our listeners and our callers and to our tireless engineer, Reggie Johnson. One more reminder for you that we can only bring you this program with your help and that your contribution to help keep free speech radio alive here on WBAI's tax deductible. Please go to WBAI.org today to support the Tower Fund. Keep Free Speech Radio alive and well in the greatest city in the world. That's WBAI.org. If you missed any part of the show, you can hear it in full by subscribing to Driving Forces via Apple, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And you can check the archive section of WBAI.org. So this has been Driving Forces. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons, wishing you a healthy and happy year of the tiger. Now stay tuned to WBAI for the evening news. Thanks for listening and see you on the radio.